Welcome, Blurred Owls and Wonder Lovers, to your very next installment of The Amalfa Files. I am the Madam President, Taryn Barber, and with me tonight is James Milliken. So tonight we are talking about aliens, um, but not just aliens in a general sense. We are specifically talking about aliens and whether or not they helped some ancient civilizations build some of their monuments, some of their temples and fortresses, etc. So this, this topic was sparked by me. Um, we were discussing different topics for the Amalgophiles, and for some reason, um, aliens had popped into my head. I think I had been watching something about um, the pyramids at Giza, and just the um, one of the things that I'll hear over and over again when watching different shows is about how they had to move these stones or these boulders that would have taken a massive amount of manpower or magic or aliens to be able to move them and how hard it would be for us today to do these things. So in doing that, we did some research. I had James watch an episode of a show on Netflix called Agent Aliens. And um, the episode was about engineers or alien engineers or whether or not ancient engineers had helped aliens. And the term ancient astronaut theorists kept coming up. So I wanted to start with that term because it's something that <laughs> you're laughing already, something that keeps being referred to uh, throughout the show. So the ancient astronauts, astronaut theorists are people with um, expertise and degrees and a bunch of knowledge all revolving around the idea that aliens helped ancient civilizations build their monoliths, build their cities. Um, with the reason being that some of the things that they were doing would have been impossible during the time period. And their impossibilities is based on the level of precision that these civilizations use, based on the weight of the objects that they were moving, um, based on the use of substances like mica, um, and based on the commonalities in their stories about um, the different gods and goddesses that were um, visiting them. So they developed this theory that at some point in the very distant past, aliens were helping ancient civilizations to build their cities. So James, as soon as I said ancient astronaut theorists, you laughed. <laughs> Why is that? Did you come into this? Well, yeah, yeah you did. You came into this skeptical. I did only because <clears throat> see pride is a very funny thing and i liken it unto whenever a day comes around now Sarah, i know you remember like you know like certain dances of like you know like the 80s and 90s yep and you go parents and you like you know dad you know this is you know this is the such and such dance and your parents are like what <laughs> Boy, that's the watch too. See, we was doing that back in 1969. What do you know about that? Yeah. But to us, you know, it's like, you know, we we came up with it. And because we didn't see anybody else doing it, it was new to us, could not have existed before. Now, these people, these, you know, doctors, they, you know, they had their doctorate degrees, PhDs. I don't think anybody there was anything under a PhD or a you know specialist or somebody who has lived their life in research of not necessarily the cultures, maybe the cultures, but more along the lines of a certain aspect of the culture. 
and their whole line of thought, the entire line of thought is, well, the stuff that they did, we can't do it today. So it had to have been done by aliens. That's a leap. And it just, for me, it opens up so many other questions because I'm a student of history. And history has taught us that technological advances, after we get them, if they are not from instruments or implements of war, we first seek to turn them into instruments or implements of war. Mm-hmm. Now, were that the case, these ancient civilizations would not have been conquered by people that had supposedly superior weaponry, because that's what happened to, in essence, you know, like the ancient Mayans, the uh, ancient Incans, they're not here anymore because they got wiped out due to other countries' greed. Mm -hmm. So to say that there was no one smart enough to do what they did, it's looking down on the past and it's also, you know, like puffing up their chest, like, well, you know, because we're so smart and, you know, because like one of the guys is saying it, it would have to be 21st century technology that allowed them to do this. And, and we're just now getting around to that. So there is no way they would have had that back in like the 12th, 13th and 14th centuries. But it's like you weren't there. Not only were you not there. Another thing about the, you know, Incan and Mayan civilizations, there's no one that speaks the language anymore. There's no one that grew up in those cultures. So any experience that we have or any stories that we have are strictly secondhand coming from the outside looking in. So there's nobody that can say this is for sure what they had. This is for sure, you know, the techniques that they use because the, the cultures are gone. Their, their secrets, their legacies, their knowledge, it's buried so deep. And as opposed to earnestly looking for it and making a truly, you know, like concerted effort. They're just saying, no, it was aliens. It had to be aliens. <laughs> no way people could have done it. It was aliens. It's interesting you bring that up because I was watching um, something else entirely unrelated, but it was about Roman Carthage. And one of the first things that the Romans did um, while they were burning Carthage to the ground is destroy the libraries. They destroyed their entire body of knowledge. So yeah, whatever it is that they knew um, or how they were doing things would not have been something that was passed down or something that you could read about later. Like we have snippets of the cultures, but we don't have entire archives, which is a, a pretty uh, interesting point. So in terms of, um, I hear what you're saying, and I'm going to play devil's advocate because some of these things I still have questions about. And I think the most prominent and what I mentioned before was how they were moving these boulders. So in Ancient Aliens, one of the first cities they covered was o- Oyante Tambo in Peru. And there's this structure called the wall of monoliths. And there are these stones, I think there are six of them, that weigh 50 tons each. And they were raised up to a height that's about 5,000 feet above uh, sea level. 
So these stones were moved up the side of the mountain and put into place. Um, their lines are straight. They are fitted together so incredibly closely. It was described as the rocks are being fused together, literally fused together. Like you can't move them. There's nothing that could fit in between them. And this was done thousands of years ago, but these rocks are still standing. So if not aliens, James, <laughs> how are the people moving? 50 ton boulders up the side of a mountain without like destroying the landscape in the process or building roads or something. Now there's no evidence of how these things were moved. So why is aliens not a plausible explanation? Okay. I'm not saying that aliens are not a plausible. I mean, anything is possible. Nobody was there, you know, like three, four, five thousand years ago to say what happened. So at this point, it's all speculation. But until they can give me something more than it had to be aliens. Now, like uh, one guy said, what well, we would do if we had to move uh, 15 ton boulders or rocks, you know, we would create a road. We would uh, have a specialized crane. We would have, uh, you know, like a uh, pulley system, this, that, and the third. So roads are not a new construct. Now, paved roads may be a new construct, but the concept of a road is not new. Also, the concept of a pulley system is not new. And I'm pretty sure somebody figured out, hey, if I put something, you know, with kind of a slick surface under the rocks, it's easier to move that. Now, I'm not saying that, you know, there was one guy or, you know, even a hundred guys. This is something that would have taken a lot of people to do. And it's something that would have taken a tremendous amount of time but there were still roads back then right. and there were like they found you know like remnants of ancient math so math angles geometry you know levers and pulleys weights and counterweights this isn't something new it's not something that we just came up with it's something that a lot of people have known. So again, like I said, no, we weren't there three, 4,000 years ago to say exactly how it was done. But I would lean more towards they still had roads, knowledge of math, and like a pulley system. Okay. All right. So totally possible that you could have moved the stones by themselves. What happened to... I guess that that knowledge, like if, if we have people saying today, we could not do this without the modern equipment that we have, it would be impossible for us to manually figure out how to move these stones up this mountain. Why is that? Mm -hmm. Like you would think thousands of years in the future with the technology that we do have, <laughs> like it, it would be totally understandable how they accomplish these things. Almost kind of like a, I don't know, backwards um, Thinking, like you said, pulleys, roads, et cetera, like there should be a completely logical explanation for how they move these stones, but there isn't. And people are saying, or these doctors are saying, we couldn't do this today. Why not? Like, 
I've been grappling with that. Why could we not do something they were doing thousands of years ago? Because it's not the focus. The focus now is not to build a massive city or a massive temple. There's no driving force. Like, okay, for example, if the president were to come out and say, I want to erect a wall around the country, around the entirety of the country. I want the United States walled off on all sides and we're putting all of our resources into this. We would find a way to get it done because that's where everyone's focus is. So if the focus were on building the stone obelisks again, then we'd find a way to do it. And part of it goes back to my whole pride comment. So everybody's saying that we don't have the technology to do this now. We could. And to be perfectly honest with you, I'm sure we do. Most new forms of technology that come out, the military has had and been using for decades. For example, drones. Drones are toys now. They use drones to deliver packages. The military was using drones in like the 70s. Spy cameras, like those are, you know, for sale commercially now. Like you can buy, it's not, you know, called a spy camera, but you can buy like home surveillance. The military had that again decades ago and were using it. So the technology is new to us as the public, but the technology in and of itself is not new. So I'm willing to bet money that if it was really important, for example, okay, Elon Musk and the other billionaires decided, we all want to go to space. So that's where they put their resources. If they were to put their resources into, I want to build a stone monolith or a stone obelisk, it would get done. That it that just needs to be the focus and where everybody is putting their energy. Okay. What about the, one of the other things that was discussed was the precision with which certain tasks were accomplished. And an example in particular was given from uh, Luxor, Egypt, the city of Karnak and the statues of Ramses and the obelisks and how with the tools that were found, they would not have been able to carve these hieroglyphics or to carve Ramsey's face with a precision. I think it was one one thousandth of an inch. And they had this example where they took a um, like a transparency of Ramsey's face or two of them rather and flipped one over and then laid the images over each other to show how perfectly the two sides of his face matched. Now, I <laughs> I was working on an art major. I don't know how many people know this, but I, at one point in my life, I mean, I guess I still am, but I was an artist and I would draw faces. And well, one of the things I do is faces, but portraits were really hard for me. So what I would do is draw out a grid and then I would measure distances from whatever my inspiration was. So the distance between 
the eyes and the nose or the eyebrows and the center of the eye, um, things like that. I'll have to lay out all these points on a grid and then I'll draw the lines to connect them. So I have an inkling of how that could have been accomplished, but not to within one one thousandth of an inch. Like that level of symmetry seems impossible. Especially since there was nothing. Oh, maybe I was about to say, since there's nothing there that, that shows that they would have drawn out a type of grid system like that or how they would have measured um, the different features on his face. Maybe there was like chalk lines that were there that were erased, but the hieroglyphics having the same exact depth all the way around the obelisk, like you're carving into stone. How is your carving the exact same depth all the way around? Like something that if, again, if we were doing it today, would be done with okay. a laser. So without there being lasers, <laughs> assuming that there were no lasers and there were no aliens, is it the same thing or the same explanation that, that that's just what they were focused on at the time so they figured out a way to do it? And why do it to that level of perfection? <laughs> oh, I can easily answer that. If we messed up, that was it. There was no oops, I'll come try to No, your your bloodline is ended. You, your wife, your kids, your parents, aunts, uncles, cousins, everybody's gone. I didn't even think so about that. You were you were more than highly motivated to do your very best. And also, when you... Society back then was more of you do what you're good at. They were masters of if you don't work, you don't eat. Wow. So if you don't have a skill, then, you know, you're going to starve. You're going to die and starving. That's not a quick death. That's slow and painful and lingering. So you get motivated really quickly to find out what you're good at and what you can do to make a living. Now, the artists back then weren't like I would say most of the artists today. Like... I've known artists who, you know, like you said, like some use the grid theory to get symmetry. Some, you know, like could simply eyeball it because that's just how their brains worked. And they were that focused on that high of a level of perfection. It, it almost borders on obsession. And that's the level that they were looking for back then. If I'm making, and especially the Egyptians, the Egyptians believed the Pharaoh to be not only a man, but a God that has come down in the flesh to lead them. You do not give your God anything less than 10,000%. It's like, no, sleep. I don't need to sleep. Eat. I don't need to eat. No, this sculpture, this, 
this is my homage to my God. This needs to be perfect. This supersedes everything else in my life. This even supersedes my life. This just needs to be the perfect homage to my God so that he will see my level of devotion. And for the other civilizations, again, obsession is not a new thing. So if you're going to carve a stone monument by hand, you don't get a do-over. Right. So like, and again, so they're saying, you know, okay, well, there may not have been chalk, this, that, or the third, but there's nothing to say that they couldn't measure string or some thin type of substance and go around the stone. It's not to say that they didn't practice for years beforehand to know how much pressure to do a one and one eighth inch cut into this particular type of stone. The way that the so-called experts are making it sound is, they say, hey, here's that slab of stone. You know, I don't have any practice or, you know, anything else like that. Let me use this magic alien technology to draw pictures on rocks. <laughs> and like that, it's, it's just not, it's not as plausible of an explanation as making carvings into stone was this person's life. This is what they did. This is how they fed their family. If they did not do a good job, their family does not eat. So again, you're motivated. And to put it, you know, like in modern day terms, we all get up and go to work. Not necessarily because we want to, not necessarily because everybody feels that I have the greatest job in the world, is that every day on the 1st or the 15th or whenever, your housing expenses become due. Your light bill becomes due. Gas bill. And every single day you have to eat. You've gotten used to it at this point. Might as well keep it up. <laughs> One of the things you brought up that I hadn't thought about is that there were very defined roles back then. And I think up until the uh, pretty um, near present, so not too long ago, where um, people started to, I don't know, somebody doing something that they weren't good at was acceptable and they were allowed to just try it. Like me, I'm horrible at sports, any kind of sport. I'm terrible. Um, but if I wanted to play basketball or football, I could play. I could play on an intramural team. Um, I could play like on a neighborhood team. Um, whereas during the time period that we're talking about, if you were horrible at something, you wouldn't be allowed to just keep doing it. <laughs> like you had to do what you were good at. You're right. They had a particular skill or a particular trade, and that's the one thing that they did, um, which is fascinating to me because it speaks to the fact that we are not all the same um, and that we're not creative the same in terms of having the same talents and abilities and that we are good at different things. And I think that in the quest for um, equality or fairness, 
we like to pretend that that's not true anymore. That we don't each have our own individual talents, that anybody can be good at anything, which I guess with enough time and practice, that might be true. But I think that we also have these very innate skills um, that we can either practice and hone or choose to ignore because we would rather do something else. And that would not have been a possibility. The sculptor, like you said, would have been a sculptor um, who had practiced his craft for a very long time to become as good as he was. Which is interesting. It's almost like the participation trophies that we have now. Everybody gets an award. <laughs> Regardless of how horrible you are, you tried, so you get something. And no, you couldn't have had a sculptor try uh, to carve Ramses and be rewarded just because it was a good try. It had to be perfect then. And, and they absolutely were. <laughs> So maybe the idea of uh, of people having traits and skills that they just practice um, isn't as prominent anymore. Now, I, I want to touch on something you brought up. Now, you say, you know, with enough practice and time. Now, I do believe with enough practice and time, you'd be able to be, for lack of a better word, proficient at most things, uh -huh. given enough time and the fact if you had the effort, the, you know, like the dexterity, but there is certain things that genetics or, you know, just natural born talent push people ahead. For example, uh, Michael Phelps, they... You know, like they, they, you know, like they did every type of test that they could do on this guy. Like, you know, how, how is he winning these medals? So they find, oh, okay, well, his body doesn't produce as much lactic acid. So he, his muscles quite literally don't burn as fast. So he can go longer. And, you know, they were like, he can hold his breath longer. He's able to absorb more oxygen through this, that, and the third. I mean, like they, they broke it down and nobody said that he had an unfair advantage that's just how his body was built now talking about unfair advantages that's a totally different conversation that you know we can get into for a different time but there are certain people in certain sports that they it, it just seemed like they were bred for those sports. So mm -hmm. you can yeah, you can train and you can practice. I'll never be able to play tennis half as good as Serena Williams. That's right. that's just not in the cards for me. No matter how much I practice, no matter how bad I want it, yeah. It's not gonna get me to her level of skill. I'm never going to be able to play basketball like Michael Jordan. Like, you know, regardless of how many, you know, how much practicing I do, it's not going to give me the athleticism and showmanship that he had to do what he did. So everybody wants to do like, cause again, you brought up the participation trophies. Everybody wants to do everything that they can do to try to make life fair. 
right. life ultimately isn't fair. There are certain things that no matter how badly you want to do them, you simply can't. If life were fair and if life, if you could do anything that anybody else could do, that means I can wake up tomorrow and do thoracic surgery just because, just I, I want to now. <laughs> so the whole, we've lost a lot of specialties. But when you look at, uh, for example, Freddie Mercury, Freddie Mercury, I believe they said had, I can't, I think it was like two extra teeth. And because of that, he was able to sing and hit notes that other people were not. That's something that, you know, he was born with. Mariah Carey, at her height, could sing octaves, clearly. Again, that's not something that can be taught. It's a talent that either you have or you don't. So we've gotten into, and especially with the advent of technology, the advent of technology is a double-edged sword. Like I tell people a lot, my kids will never know what it's like to want to have a TV dinner, but you have to put it in the oven for an hour and 53 minutes. And somehow, magically, there's still a cold spot in the middle. Right. My daughter asked me one day, Dad, who was your favorite YouTuber growing up? <laughs> and I told her, I was like, sweetie, YouTube didn't exist when Dad was little. And the look on her face, she's like, oh, okay, okay. So what did you do? What was your favorite thing to do on the internet, little? I'm like, oh, well, I see where this is going. Okay, well, daddy, <laughs> well, sweetie, daddy didn't have the internet when he was little. And the look on her face, just, what did you do? Right. How did you survive? Mm -hmm. <laughs> you know, we, we went outside and played. We had social interaction. I was like, you know what you do? School? We did that in school, after school, before school, during school, on the weekends. If we weren't punished, we were outside interacting. That's mainly what we did. Yeah. So we didn't need that. Yeah. So. So we're talking about then a time period where people had trades and they were craftsmen and they studied what they did. Yes. And did it well and better than anybody else could. Right. And not only did you study if you, okay. So for example, uh, you were like, you know, you're an artist. So what you would do is you would find the best artist that you could find and say, will you take me on? Will you teach me? And of course, yeah. you know, part of it is pride. Some of them would say no, depending upon their age, but especially when they were getting, you know, older and you want your legacy to live on, even if your name doesn't, your technique will. So uh, an older, I'll say, sure, Taryn, you know, come on, I'll teach you everything I know. So that way, even though, you know, so let's say you become big 
that artist can be like, you know, I, I told her everything she knows. That's still my style. You can see this, that, and, the third. and it's not for the recognition of others. It's so that you can say, my style lived on. Yeah. But every artist back then, each and every single one had the passion for it, had the, had the drive to that, you know, if I cannot do art, I will die. Art is my life. And we, like people nowadays, people like that, they call them crazy. They say, well, why are you trying so hard? You know, you, you don't have to try that hard. You don't have to be that good. You don't have to try to be the best. So we've, a lot of us have lost that drive to be the best, the drive to even find out, even figure out. Now, I gave you a really, really practical explanation. You know, well, how would they, you know, be able to cut exactly an eighth of an inch thick? Practice. It, it, that wasn't the, the finished product was not the first stone that they cut into. Right. And it wasn't the only stone that they cut into. These are people that practice for decades before their master would say, okay, I will now allow you to put out a work. Mm -hmm. Okay. So practice and passion. All right. All right. One more similarity that was talked about um, in relation to different cultures. So they talked about the Mayans, the Incans. Um, oh, this ancient city in India. It starts with a V. <laughs> My memory is. Daily me. V. <laughs> VJ. I'm going to butcher this name. V Vijayanagara. <laughs> Vijayanagara. Um so, that, and they talked about, of course, Karnak and Giza. And one of the commonalities between these different cultures is the stories about the gods who often had wings, often flew. They would rise up to the heavens and come down from the heavens. And then there are also these statues and these paintings and carvings that some of them actually look like astronauts, like they're wearing <laughs> spacesuits. And I say that and laugh at the same time because even as I watched it, I wasn't quite sure if I would have seen if that image would have occurred or that thought would have occurred to me had there not been like an outline over it showing like the, the spacesuit um, or the rocket ships. But it happened often enough to make me curious. And I used to teach um, world religions. So I'm very familiar with the commonalities between religions across the globe in terms of, uh, of the Genesis and how humanity began and stories of the flood that existed for both the Mayans uh, and the Mesopotamians, for example. Um, but this idea of the gods going up into the sky and coming down from the sky and flying in vessels um, was very intriguing. And I couldn't um pinpoint a common experience between these different cultures that would have led to that same description of the gods that they worshiped so again 
if not aliens, <laughs> they were seeing aliens and that's not what they were drawing um, in their paintings and that's not what they were sculpting. What would be an explanation for the commonalities and how their gods were described across the globe? Okay. Now, uh, like you said, you studied religions. Now, now, one thing that there are certain things that are common in all religions. First is going to be the rules. Don't murder people. Don't steal. Be good. Don't lie. These are basic human rules that you know, like people attribute to either religion or being a good person or, you know, like not contributing to the collapse of society. So if the rules for being human across time and space, across the globe, are roughly the same, then our image of gods would be the same as well. Now, one thing that man has always sought was the ability to fly. Seeing as how you could defy gravity, it's uh, seen as the ultimate freedom. So one prerequisite to all of your gods has to be that they can fly. Whether it be under their own power, if you want to look at Christianity, the angels with their wings, if you want to go back to, you know, like what they were saying in ancient aliens, oh, they had, they had rocket ships. Now, I'm just going to throw this out there. If my God can't fly under his own power, then he's not <laughs> going to be my God. But I think that's part there. of what their point that's was, me. that they had these gods who were flying in vessels. And they used that as part of the evidence or part of their explanation for why they may have actually been talking about aliens. True. But then another thing is, uh, one of the guys said, and, and, and this one, this one killed me, but, but it's my favorite. It was, it couldn't have been done without some sort of anti-gravity technology. Okay. Anti-gravity technology that I can use handheld, mind you, to move 50 ton rocks or heavier. So you mean to tell me I couldn't use that say on myself or on another person like the the explanations if you're going to give me an explanation i needed to be able to answer if not all at least most of the questions and like they weren't so it's like okay they have gods because you know some of them rode dragons some of them rode in ships. Now, I don't know how many, you know, spaceships look like dragons. I've, you know, never seen a dragon ship myself. Not to say that they don't exist because, you know, they, they might. But I would, it, for me, it's easier to believe that the, Whereas the rules for being a good person would be the same, how you would represent your gods would be the same as well. Right. Um, and I was going to ask uh, to start closing this out. If there is any part of your mind or any part of you that believes 
it could have been aliens. Like, is there any aspect of what was done or the structures or the language or the use of uh, like mica for insulation or anything that you saw being discussed or even outside of that, that makes you think, okay, maybe, maybe they did have some help from extraterrestrials with that. Now, okay, let me preface this by saying I do believe in aliens simply for the fact I find it very hard to believe that all of creation is so vast and we're the only things in it. That is hard to believe because that's also to me, kind of pointless. Like I've created billions and billions and billions and billions and billions of planets, but you'll never see it. They'll never see you. Eh, something to do. <laughs> now, again, I mean, that, that could be the case, could not. Now, f- did aliens help these ancient civilizations build houses? And to, okay. The very, very, and I'm, 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 I'm going to greatly oversimplify. Did aliens come to this planet to help people play with rocks? <laughs> no. <laughs> because why would they? For, okay. for what? It's fair. Like, I'm going to come here and show you how these rocks together. Um, okay. But to, to answer, you know, like one of the, they're like, you know, the rocks. They were, it's almost like they were fused together. They would have had to have a laser to superheat this and fuse it. No, again, necessity is the mother of invention. If I don't make these walls airtight, it gets cold. (laughs) I don't like being cold. Right. So I have to build this so I'm not cold. The the whole idea, it, it was giving me Prometheus vibes. <laughs> Honestly, the idea that there were these gods that came to Earth and created humans and got them started. Um, I couldn't, two things I couldn't reconcile. One is, where are they now? So if it was aliens that helped to build these structures or, or showed um, our ancestors the, their technology and their rocket ships and their spacesuits and um, how to conduct electricity and all that, where did they go? And what happened to all that knowledge? Because the idea that it was just completely destroyed um, when the civilization was conquered or died out or whatever is only plausible up to an extent. So the wheel, for example, they talked about one structure that was built before the wheel had been invented, but yet the center of their temple was round. (laughs) It's like, I'm not so sure I believe that the wheel hadn't been invented yet. Maybe they haven't found evidence of a wheel before um, the the first evidence that they found, but that doesn't mean that it didn't exist. Just that we're not aware of its existence because the evidence for it is gone. Um, So their knowledge, the the idea that they came to earth and helped them to build these structures and then just left um, because this was like, it was like planting seeds and they just wanted to start us off is a bit, um, ridiculous. So yeah, I'm struggling with the why too. Why would they do this? If it was to be worshipped as gods, do they just stop wanting to be worshipped one day? 
and decided to not come back. Um, are the aliens still around? Is that what the whole Roswell thing is about? And if they are, why are they not still helping to build these massive structures and temples dedicated to them? Yeah, so I just, I wanted to believe. <laughs> and uh, I don't like to think about aliens too much because it's, it's a little bit frightening for me. But I, when I was watching this, I was like, yes, that does make sense. And then I stopped to think about it. I was like, actually, no. <laughs> it, it doesn't. Like, I... <laughs> Yes, it seems impossible to move 50 tons of rock up the side of a mountain, but I think that given the lives that they had and the focus that they would have had and the fact that for some of them, this mm -hmm. is all they did with their entire lives. And like you said, they would have been uh, probably killed mm -hmm. if they didn't get it done right. Then yeah, then it becomes more plausible. Um, so... No, I um, I also don't think that it was aliens. And I want to, at least in some regards. Um, but too much of the information was, uh, I guess, planted. Like they were talking about Teotihuacan uh, mm -hmm. and how the buildings were laid out like a motherboard and two processor chips. And, but they overlaid that image over the structures. So again, what I have thought of that association, had they not right. literally drawn a picture over uh, the map of this area. Now, Teotihuacan and the pyramids at Giza, both following the same pattern as Orion's belt, that seems totally plausible, totally fair, because they were both looking up and we know that they charted the stars and all that. So that was a more likely explanation for why those structures were so right. similar. Um, but no, I'm going to have to go... Molder on this one too in terms of Molder and Scully <laughs> do you believe or not um yeah the Molder meter and the Scully honor I think we're both on uh Scully side actually where it's just no it wasn't aliens these people were just really smart and focused and uh they were not distracted because they couldn't afford to be and life was very different right all right so yeah let us know what you think in the comments um do you believe that there was some type of alien involvement, either in helping to create these ancient civilizations or in general, have aliens been involved in any other aspect of the, uh, the history of humanity? As a giveaway, if you post your thoughts in the comments, one random person will be selected to receive the book, Chariots of the Gods. Um, and this book was um, what started the idea of the ancient astronaut theorists or the book that made the idea of alien involvement in building ancient civilizations, ancient structures more prominent. So this is the book where he talks about um, how the aliens must have had a hand in building things like the pyramids, etc. If you're curious about the topic, uh, again, just look up ancient astronaut theorists and you have a lot of opinions on, um, on these theorists and most of it, the vast majority of it is not positive for reasons that we mentioned previously, but it's still interesting um, to think about. Also, we have a raffle going on right now in Amalgamania. The Joker raffle has not been called yet, so it's not too late to get your tickets. Um, the next Amalgam auction will be in October. One of the lots in that auction is the Spawn Kickstarter action figure, which is absolutely incredible and beautiful and rare. 
that is going up for auction in October. Um, if you want more information about that, go to Amalgamania and search hashtag auction. Don't forget that we have three stores. Um, we have a store for comic books at chromecomics.com. We have a store for action figures at amalgamania.com. And we have um, a store for bath and body products that are inspired by characters at shopacidkitty.com. So make sure you check all of those things out. Um, James, do you have anything going on that you wanted to share? Uh, just going to let everybody know that my birthday is in October. So <laughs> if you would like to gift me with that incredible spawn action figure, I will not stop you. All right. Fair enough. Happy early birthday. Is I forget in October. <laughs> All right, guys. Thank you so very much for hanging out with us on this episode of the Amalgam Files. Um, we will see you next month with our next show.